The Protectors of the Wood episode series. Episode number four. Wendy gives Abby a new path. Abby put a piece of kindling on the fire and watched it flare up. Her mood was changing rapidly. Just thinking about telling her story to Phoebe put a whole different light on the situation. Suddenly, Abby noticed that she was starving and felt faint from lack of food. She drank her tea in large gulps. The crows began calling outside. Shadows were creeping into the room. The two small windows were dim. Wendy arose and pulled dark curtains. So, you and me and the crows all need our supper. She walked into the back room and returned with her bag from the garden. Spreading out newly washed greens, snap peas, finger beans, a few apples, and rosemary and sage, Wendy proceeded to add everything to the stew now bubbling on the stove. Abby was staring into the fire. Wendy was stirring patiently with a long wooden spoon. Without moving or looking up, Abby said, You know, there's something about you, too. About me? Really? When the mob was about to attack me in the church, and I was about to flee through the side door, Morphe stood up tall and screamed, She's going to Wendy! It's all Wendy's doing! Arrest her! Arrest me? They won't get far. No one knows where I live. If you have seen me in years, if need be in minutes, I can hide this house like a cave underground. And believe me, I would get plenty of warning. Let's just leave it that way. <laughs> Wendy scoffed at the whole idea. I provoke these people and stir up trouble. I was sure you would be mad. I'm always mad, but never at you. Abby looked up and smiled. But one more thing. It's at least possible that Morphe was referring to arrest me. Arresting you? For what? You know, Morphe wants to force me to lead them to you. Flush you out of hiding. He's got people believing we created these storms that we're a danger to all good citizens. They just make things up and feed the lies to people who are already angry and scared. Hmm, of course. It's been going on since long before I was born. In fact, I was born in the midst of a mob burning us out of this beautiful valley. But we pulled a trick on them and never left. We just went underground. That's their fatal blind spot. They don't see or understand what's underground because they're too afraid of it. Tomorrow, I'm gonna show you a whole new world. Your strength is their weakness. You're getting my hopes up. This better be good. This better be good, indeed. 
Oh my! <laughs> What's so funny? You know a lot, but your imagination isn't working properly. You should guess these things. But you haven't a clue. Let's just leave it there until tomorrow. Now I'm curious. What is it? Wendy only smiled in reply, and Abby grew frustrated. Come on, Wendy. You can't tease me like that. You have to see it for yourself. Now it's time to feed the crows. Wendy ladled out a small mountain of stew into a wooden bowl over two feet wide. After letting it cool, she carried it out the tiny door, and Abby, ducking low, followed her into the shadows and the drone of the crickets. The light was fading into the forest. They walked around the house to a group of four birch trees that created a rectangle together. About four feet off the ground, a web was tied between the trees, reaching up and over. Wendy placed the bowl in the center of the web. It slid into place with perfect stability. Immediately, the calling of the crows began in the treetops. A large, coal-black crow descended with wildly flapping wings and landed on Wendy's long, bony finger. Yes, yes, my little baby. The king of the forest, my little baby. The bird lowered his head as if he were bowing. Wendy caressed the feathers on the back of his neck and on the top of his head. How has it gone today? Have you been doing your job? Of course you have. Protecting our dear forest from those nasty and destructive spies, my dear king. With a quick lift of her hand, Wendy sent the bird flapping into the air. He immediately landed on a branch near the bowl and began picking out morsels to eat. Soon he tipped his head back and let out three calls. Four or five other crows descended from the treetops, landed on the branches around the bowl, and began to feast. Wendy led the way back inside and lit three lamps burning vegetable oil. Night had fallen. She served herself and Wendy the same stew in smaller bowls and sliced thick chunks of bread and covered them with nut butter. Abby knew the routine. She poured tea in large mugs and placed the items on wooden trays. Their faces glowed in the oil lamps as they ate and talked at a wooden table for two. How do you get Penny's bread so fresh? Oh, ho! I hear her breads are spreading out around the town. I hope she'll always have enough for me. Too much success is not a good thing, you know. This is fun. I missed you. I missed you too, dear. I'm sorry our project has put the weight of the world on your shoulders. On both our shoulders, I should say. 
I feel it too. Wendy took a sprig of an herb from a cup holding several on the table and began to chew the small aromatic leaves. I'm getting old. I have to chew rosemary to keep my heart calm. Otherwise, it beats too loudly in my breast. They heard a faint scratching at the door. Abby looked up in alarm, but Wendy said, You remember the raccoons? That's dark eyes. Reminding me that they are hungry. They found their way into my garden and started tearing it up. So I feed them every night. I've become a soft touch. The deer and the squirrels and the rabbits are all friends who want a bite to eat every day. Wendy took a bag from the countertop, added some vegetables and seeds to its contents, and stepped out the door into the night. Abby followed her. There was no moon, and the dark sky was flooded with a stunning swirl of infinite stars. Abby quickly looked away from the too overwhelming sight and watched Wendy feed the animals. She scratched a deer behind the ears and held out an apple. Abby longed to step forward and join them, but she was afraid the animals would flee. Abby had never been so tired, and yet she couldn't sleep. Soon Abby realized that she was completely exhausted, and yet on lying down she couldn't sleep. Her eyes were wide open in the dark. She felt so wakeful that she was terrified. She was thinking, What if I can never sleep again? What if this is all too much for me? Maybe I'm just out of whack, losing my mind. She felt her heart beating like it might burst out of her skin. Her thoughts kept returning to the overwhelming events of the day. For Wendy, apparently, did not agree that Abby's mission in Middletown was finished. She had questioned Abby's understanding of the situation, but not her actions or degree of success. In fact, as far as Abby could tell, Wendy rejected the whole failure idea, and she had promised a whole new world. When? Tomorrow. And when Abby had said, this better be good, Wendy thought it was hysterically funny. Wendy hardly ever laughs that way. She seems to be certain that her promise will surpass my wildest dreams. But how can that be? I'm lost. If Wendy would only hold me and say everything's fine. Because I just don't see it. Abby tossed and turned and couldn't stop thinking. Finally, she felt a voice telling her, Give it a rest. If Wendy thinks it's good, well, maybe it is. What if it's so good it would be lame and misleading to describe it? Why don't you trust Wendy like you used to? Why do you feel so alone? When you have her on your side, I mean, she's your spiritual mother. What more could anyone ask? 
Abby's eyes were tearing up in the dark. You've got a point there. Her whole body began to calm down. Her arms relaxed in a minute or two. Yes. What do I have to fear in Wendy's arms? You're absolutely right. Thank you. But who are you? You'll have to see over time. And that was all. Abby's thoughts dropped into dreams. She relaxed into a deep sleep. Wendy rose early in the first light of dawn. Abby heard her walking around, but stayed in bed for an extra hour of sleep. Eventually, Wendy held her shoulders and kissed her forehead. Now, that's enough sleep, even for you. Think of the breakfast I've prepared and the fun we'll have today. More than fun. Take my word for it. We are blessed with such a day. Wendy shook Abby's shoulder, and Abby sat up and saw a pile of clothes next to her. Wear something comfortable, and the place we're going can be cooler than you expect. This is not a hike in the sun on a midsummer day. I'm taking a sweater for you in my bag. I hope those sneakers of yours hold up. Breakfast included goat cheese and onion omelets with fried finger beans, two lemon cukes, and toasted sunflower bread with apple butter. Wendy had already packed a small backpack with food for the day. Oh, I can't wait. Abby was thinking, Look at that. Such enthusiasm. She's like Chi-Chi, rubbing those hands. Well, they are twins. It's hard to remember because I never see them together. They almost pretend they don't know each other. After a glass of cider and two cups of breakfast mixture, Abby began to absorb the old woman's delight in the coming day. The sun was in her eyes when she stepped out the door. A summer breeze blew in her face. Aren't you forgetting something? Abby looked back, feeling defensive. If I knew what we were going to do, I might know what to bring. So, how did you get here? I walked, of course. I know the way. Wendy drew closer to Abby without speaking. Her dark eyes looked thoughtfully into Abby's eyes. Oh, I see. That's not quite true. 
I was scared and confused and the map stick helped me. Plus, I'd never gone into the garden that way. I got lost. I see. Oh, you're starting to get it. Think, girl. Think. Okay. I understand. I don't know where we're going. I need help. And the map stick is here to help me. Ah. Abby walked back into the house to retrieve her staff. She unwound the velvet material and carried it in the open in all its glory. The strangely sandpapery surface, the marvelous lightness, the glowing color, the intricate carving, all were on display as Abby stepped outside into the bright sunshine. The map stick seemed to bring a rush of energy into her body, urging her forward on a new adventure. She began walking with Wendy, side by side, with no thought of where they were going or who was leading the way. They climbed the gradual slope filled with ancient beech trees, tall and silver with thick trunks and smooth bark. Almost no undergrowth could find a ray of sun under that ancient forest, and the way was open between the great gray columns. Abby had been this way before, of course, but made no effort to guess their destination. She was just happy to be out walking through land that she loved on a beautiful day. The mapstick felt like a feather, swinging forward with each step. But at the top of the slope, they came to a limestone ridge about 20 feet high. Massive blocks of stone were piled together as if they had fallen from the sky. Wendy waited for her to choose a direction. Oh no, I was afraid of this. It's some kind of test that Wendy set up. I'm supposed to listen to the map stick or something, but that doesn't work. The map stick only helps me when I'm not looking for it. It only works if I'm trying to figure it out by myself. Oh map stick, where are you? Where should I go? See? Nothing. Nothing at all. And I can't work on the problem because this is Wendy's test. I don't know what problem we're trying to solve. Abby asked. So where are we going? You're going the right way. But we can't climb that thing. Who said we have to? Abby was thinking. That looks like a colossal mess of stone wall to me. No way over it, no way through it. Although straight ahead, there's that strange shelf, like a chair for a giant. Out of curiosity, Abby studied the ridge to check out this odd feature. A flat stone, about 12 feet wide and 3 feet thick, sticking out of the rock pile about 4 feet off the ground. It made a bit of a shelter she had noticed, but never examined before. But now she was intrigued, and went down on one knee to take a closer look. The space was fairly deep, but looked uncomfortable, with rough stones on the ground, at the far left corner, the shelter seemed to open up into a sort of low closet, an area much deeper than the rest. Abby moved over in that direction and crawled under the rock. 
Immediately the mapstick began to shine, very faintly at first, but increasing as she moved into the darkness. How far back does that go? Moving into the opening on her hands and knees, the mapstick lit up another six feet of space under the rock. Beginning to feel claustrophobic, Abby was tempted to back out, but she realized Wendy was right behind her. This is probably the right way, because Wendy's coming too. The ceiling actually rose a couple of feet as they entered the small back room of this tiny house. Abby had space enough to sit against the wall and look around, but without enough headroom to be comfortable. This would be so useful in a storm. Too bad it's a beautiful day. Wendy sat next to her and said, Well, do you think it's too early for lunch? I'm feeling pretty stupid sitting here. If we were children, we could have a secret hideout. I should have explored this when I was 10. What a brilliant spot for hide and go seek. I wonder what we're doing here. <sighs> okay, okay. I know what the game is. There's something here I'm not seeing. If you say so. Oh, stop it. This game is starting to annoy me. In frustration, Abby began closely examining the walls of this claustrophobic little room. In the back left corner, a very large and smooth egg-shaped stone stuck out from the wall. In fact, it didn't quite fit the part of the wall it covered. The light of the mapstick revealed shadows along the edges. That stone is actually freestanding. It's not part of the wall. Abby set the mapstick aside and put both hands on top of the stone and pulled. It rolled a few inches, revealing an empty hole about two feet square. She rolled the stone a bit further and then looked into the hole with the light of the mapstick. A narrow tunnel, about big enough for a medium-sized dog, and what might be a big space beyond it. Definitely interesting, but too small. What a surprise! You're laughing at me. You knew it was here all along. But I suppose you can crawl in there. You might be small enough. And I'll be right here to pull you out if you get stuck. Oh, I see you know the rules of the game. Follow the leader, it's called. And you're the leader for today. You can either go in or not. That's all I'm going to say. Abby sighed, trying to control the panic attack growing inside her. <sighs> I'll have to try it. I'll never be able to live with myself if I back out. I'd rather die than back out. She reached into the hole with the mapstick and pushed it ahead of her. It shone more brightly every moment. Abby followed and wriggled through the tiny hole, holding her arms ahead and moving like a snake. Her skinny form went through with unexpected ease. A moment later, Abby stood up in a spectacular hallway so large that the light of her staff 
could not touch the far end. Thanks for listening. Episode number five is coming soon. To hear all the episodes, please go to our website, www.protectorsofthewood.com. You've got the mountains and hills for company. got the clouds and storms and a billion stars to see you've got the rain and the streams rivers and the seas and with children running round us it's heaven all for free days are numbered and flowers will all fade but they're reborn again on another day we come we go we rise we fall yes we fall and then we rise again making miracles of us Heaven all for free Right here and right now Happens all around us And no one knows how It may take a million years To build a house of 
God But we can start right here We can start right now